Hello, hello, Mediaverse members, and welcome to Mediaverse Unwrapped, where we bring our non-toxic Facebook community of Marvel fans to life. I'm your host, Max Taff, and I'm joined by the Miss Minutes to my Kang, Megan Spangler. Buckle up, buttercup. This is a packed episode. On today's episode, we're discussing Loki Season 2, Episode 3, Loki Easter Eggs You May Have Missed, the book MCU The Reign of Marvel Studios, and so much more. Let's dive in. As a quick warning, this is a quick spoiler alert. We will be discussing the episode, including everything that happened in it, so keep that in mind. All right, so diving right in, the latest episode of Loki sees the return of the head bitch in charge, Ravona Renslayer, who's been missing since the season one finale. After disappearing through that time door, we learn that she found her way to 1868 Chicago with none other than the iconic, irreplaceable Miss Minutes. The pair are there on He Who Remains Business to execute his last wish and leave the TVA handbook, yes, the one OB wrote, for a young Victor Timely, aka He Who Remains variant, to find. Meanwhile, back at the TVA, OB is in turmoil as he can't get the temporal loom under control because he needs Miss Minutes to override the system. Luckily, there have been two hits on Renslayer's Tempad, one in 1868 and one in 1893, which Loki and Mobius go to explore. Realizing that 1868 doesn't hold much for them, they head for 1893, which is very interesting as they end up at a Victorian fair. There are a few interesting elements here, including a ghost clock haunting the town, that's clearly Miss Minutes, and a fun nod to Thor in a taverna. However, the most intriguing element is a man called Victor Timely. Now, stopping here for just a quick second, I loved the fact that they had this like Epcot-esque 19, I mean, sorry, 1893 World's Fair going on in Chicago that had like this Norwegian pavilion with like wooden carvings of Thor, Odin, and Baldur the Brave. That was insane. I loved when he's like, Thor's not that tall. I'm like, dang. Yeah. So, so much salt, Loki, so much. Um, I found it interesting that he even said, like, no one knows who Baldur is. Like, why would they even show him here? Like, what the heck? That was so, I don't know. That was just so important yet like so glossed over. I just, my head was spinning when that happened. I was like, wait, what? Well, I actually have a little something on that later in this episode. Ooh, awesome. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. So continuing on, it's now clear that this Kang variant was the young boy at the beginning of the episode who was given the handbook, which set him on his path of scientific discovery. He gives a demonstration of his temporal loom to an amazed audience as he promises that it will power the world, leading to several interested bidders. However, it soon turns out that Timely is a con man who's been swindling people into investing in his unique inventions. I thought Jonathan Majors killed it in this episode. <laughs> so amazing. I love that he was a con man. I love that he was this like weird inventor guy. I just I thought the whole premise was great behind this variant and he killed the performance, truly. I like how every variant of Kang somehow is a dick. Like, I know. This, one, this one's a con man. <laughs> like, I know. That, uh, that cracked me up. I mean, you just know that that's leading to some kind of double cross in the future. I, I, fully, I fully believe it. He's going to pull some sneaky, shady shit somewhere down the line. Absolutely he is. I... 
I don't want to jump ahead. Continue. Okay. <laughs> With Miss Minutes, Renslayer, and a Kang variant all in one location, Loki and Mobius start chasing him through the crowds. When Sylvie arrives to try and kill Timely, all chaos breaks loose with magic flying everywhere. Amid the madness, Timely, Miss Minutes, and Renslayer make their escape. Um, just, it was crazy to me the whole scene with Loki and Mobius and how they first see him. And Loki just, his whole demeanor changes so intensely. He is so scared of oh He Who God. Remains. Like terrified, like Thanos skin. level. Yeah, Tom oh. Hiddleston, holy goodness, like, killed it. He just, it was mm -hmm. perfect. He genuinely looked horrified. And it was just, oh, that whole scene was just fantastic. I totally agree. And I just love how Mobius is like, hey, he's not so scary. What are you talking about? And Loki's like, oh, my God. And then he unleashes this, like, crazy electricity machine. And mind you, it's like in the 1890s, electricity hadn't been around that long. So for him to, like, be able to build this whole contraption that looks like a temporal loom and like make all this stuff like it's it's pretty insane i can't wait to see uh, where that goes to be honest with you yeah i was like is he gonna get accused of being a witch or something because th that's pretty advanced <laughs> Goodness. true it's true yeah. it, it, it was <laughs> uh, i don't know that was that was all pretty crazy um i i just can't wait to see more of this king variant i love i love i love how each variant of kang that we see is just so different like truly they pick the perfect actor jonathan majors is able to portray these different characters so well and so distinctly too it's like they're different people completely it it this really did show his range because this this that's not an easy character to nail down with the stuttering and the nervousness mm -hmm. yeah. but all the while conning people having that confidence to do that that's there's layers there that we're not seeing. Totally. Totally. And I'm glad that they're giving him like this time a few episodes to kind of sink into because I think it's just going to get better from here. Truly. Oh, for sure. All right. So one of my favorite parts of the episode and now on a ship, the trio starts discussing Timely's inventions as he reveals how influential the TVA handbook has been on his designs. Renslayer then tells him that he actually created the TVA as he shares that they're heading to his lab in Wisconsin. However, it soon becomes clear Timely has no intention of working with Renslayer as he pushes her off the ship and heads <laughs> off with Miss Minutes. That was so wild. Um, and I did, did not see that coming. I didn't, but I did because even at the, you know, at the beginning of his character's introduction, when that one bidder is like, "Oh, we can become partners if you give me the patent rights, and then I can supply, That's I, I can pay for everything." As soon as the guy said it. It phrased it that way where he would be like the partner. We can make a partnership. You saw his face change. Like he was yeah. completely like, no, I don't do partners. And I honestly want to know why. Like where does that come from? I feel like we're going to hear something about that because it was very intense when he said it. it. It was meant to be focused on. You're right. And to be honest with you, I mean, given what He Who Remains said in the finale of last season about how the whole multiversal war really like kind of came to get came to be that first time, um, you can tell that maybe the King variants tried to give each other a chance to be partners because they're all the same person. Maybe they were like, OK, let's see how it goes. And then all of a sudden, like shit just hit the fan real quick. And they were like, never mind, we're not partners. We're going to kill each other. So, I mean, I think that that non-partnership or that 
unwillingness to work with someone else really plays into the overall story of Kang as a whole. And it's going to play into the whole variance and multiversal war thing more so down the line. I have a feeling. So I'm excited for that. I, yeah, I agree. It, it was, I, I want to see more. There's something we're not seeing. And it was surprising that he pushed her off for me because of Miss Minutes. Yeah. Oh, my and, God. Yeah. When you found out Miss, Miss Minutes is a shady bitch. That's when I was like, oh, <laughs> something's happening here. And I yes. am here for it. It oh, I loved it. I love the drama. Me too. And clearly Miss Minutes does not like to share. She well, she was so evil when she <laughs> she like talked him into pushing Ravona Renslayer off of a boat. Like I was and her oh like God. mischievous little face. She's like, <laughs> like she was living for it. That was like the time of her life right there. No pun intended. She's um, been waiting for that for a long time just imagining it she just has thought about it every day and it finally happened she was loving every second of that she 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 really was getting jealous on that boat when she saw ravona and kang kind of cozying up a little bit she was like yeah. not on my watch again not no pun intended but not on my watch <laughs> so <laughs> she was not having that um but i loved i, I kind of loved how you can see a lot of chemistry between kang and ravona i mean they're definitely leading up to romantic implications between them. Um, yeah. it, it, there's definitely in the past been some romance. There's definitely some sparks flying. I mean, even back when she approached him, when he was giving his presentation or right after, like he, right away, he noticed her and he was like, whoa, like she, he, you could tell he was like attracted to her. You could tell there was a chemistry there that he liked her. Um, and even her, she was kind of like, oh, hey, and she didn't even know him. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like Miss Minutes who knew him from the past. She, it was like her first time meeting him. And she was kind of like, oh, okay, he mm, who remains. Okay, baby, I see you. So she seemed to kind of be into it. She knew him. There's something going on because there's some kind of loop of events that we haven't seen. Like, why would she go give him the TVA handbook as a child? Wait, what are we missing here that I feel like we're going to get clued in on later? Mm -hmm. Because the, the timeline, there's no timeline, but there's all these random things. So, and then you have the recording of her and Kang mm -hmm. obviously having pillow talk. 100% they oh, just yes. did it. I don't care what anyone says. They they did it. And then talk. Yes. Um, so I, <laughs> I want to know the timeline here. Like, where are we at? Come on. I know. Some, someone got it in. Someone has a, has a really big, not a pattern, but someone's playing some kind of game and they're taking the necessary steps. And I want to know what it is i agree i totally agree with you i think personally that renslayer um has had her mind wiped like everybody else in the tva she didn't know what was going on i i have so many theories about what's going on with her character i mean obviously she she was taken by miss minutes or told by miss minutes to go to that time period to drop off that handbook i don't think she realizes what she's doing i don't think she realizes like why she's doing it i think miss minutes is the one who knows why everything That's is happening what to do I mean, obviously, he who remains had this plan in place to get that, you know, it's like a contingency plan, right? Like, I, I die, so this is what you need to do after. You need to give this book to this person. Maybe we're seeing the birth of the TVA. Maybe we're seeing, you know, some kind of, like, reconnaissance to, like, keep it going or something. I don't know. There's a lot going on, like Megan said, about, you know, the timelines and, you know, what's going on and what this is all going to lead up to. I think that it's all going to start clicking into place slowly as the season goes on. 
as we kind of because now we're at the midpoint right so we're yeah. going towards the finale so we're going to start getting more answers of things starting probably with this episode coming up little by little um but i don't know we'll see we'll see i mean obviously uh, who knows if that was like a past version of ravona that had her memory wiped on that pillow talk tape but I'd, i have so many questions about that because number one why was that in the conference room like were y'all fucking in the conference room because kind of hot but also like mm. like why was it there readily available who was listening you know i know like, who who's the last i want to know who pressed play last like who who's still thinking about it because we are i, I just want right? to know just want to know I mean, and right, because Loki, when he first pressed play, it was like in the middle of the recording. So someone was listening. Someone was all up on that. Oh, my God. Was it a sex tape? Maybe Kang makes like sex <gasps> audio tapes. Like <sighs> crazy. Oh, I mean, I want to. <laughs> you know what? Let's just move on. That we're not going anywhere on. good. <laughs> we're, yeah, it's, we're going down a dark path. <laughs> 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 Moving on, now at his lab, it seems even his partnership is in danger as the AI shares her grievances with the King variant. She tells him that he should have allowed her a real body as then they could have been together. Her unexpected romantic feelings take him by surprise before Renslayer, closely followed by Loki and Mobius and Sylvie, okay, closely followed by Loki, Mobius, and Sylvie, all turn up. That scene was like insane it was so it was like the best part one of the best parts of the episode aside from you know ravona getting kicked off the ship like just like horny miss minutes coming for kang like so aggressively was everything i loved it first of all tara strong had fun with this one you guys killed it like shout out to tara strong you're incredible we love you that was just amazing she it's just so many different ways Miss Minutes has portrayed herself in this episode. Like a friend, uh, Ravona's friend, uh, a big old ghost. She's a horny <laughs> little Miss Minutes. Uh, a big old she, ghost? Yeah. Like there's, as you could see that like Tara, this is what we've been wanting. We've been mm -hmm. wanting Miss Minutes and you gave it to us. Yes. It, was, it was perfect. It was amazing. Um, But just like how aggressive, like, Miss Minutes was like, okay, we got a fresh Kang. Let me put the moves on him. Let's see how far I can take this baby. Like she was, she was, she was shooting her shot. Miss Minutes has all the riz. She was not playing around. <laughs> She's like, I may be a cartoon clock, but I'm gonna give it everything I got, baby. You're mine. <laughs> he was like, oh no, he was not having it. Good for her. That took, she's just trying to get her gears a turn. She did well. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. Thank you. No, she, I don't know. She, she, she told him she loved him. I mean, the way she described it, obviously her and Kang, she has not had her memory wiped. She knows everything. She has all the tea. She has all the receipts. Miss Minutes knows, which is something that I have thought from the beginning. So she, obviously her character, very mischievous, very um, duplicitous because she was, you know, maintaining this entire time. Like she's just the AI clock that works the TVA. But meanwhile, she knows everyone's a variant. She knows that everyone's memories have been wiped multiple times. She she yeah. knows all, about all the pruned timelines, what, what that actually means. So all this time she knew about the multiversal war, what the real story was. And yet she's, you know, perpetuating this propaganda about the timekeepers and this and that. Like, she knows what she's doing. She said it. She's like, I'm fully sentient. I know exactly what's going on. I can make my own choices. So she 
she is shady with a capital S for sure. It makes it makes me think that before he who remains died, he gave her a plan to follow in case he dies. Mm -hmm. And I think Miss Minutes is working on her own plan right now. So I think there's a, I, there's I think there's something there because she was really quick to get rid of Ravona. Mm -hmm. So Miss Minutes is playing by some kind of plan, and I would like really, really like to know what it is. She's playing by her own rules, that's for sure. For sure. You don't yeah. sleep with your partner? Mm -mm. Oh my god. But, but I mean, like, get it though. She, she yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep, 100%. I mean, she is just a, a sneaky little clock, and I love how, let's discuss like what her actual goal is she really wants like a physical form she wants a body she wants to have an actual presence in the real world not just be this holographic cartoon clock although i will say one thing that confused me it makes she makes it seem like she's like kind of like this hologram type of figure but she i saw her touch something at the beginning when she turns into that giant ghost there was like a mm -hmm. a, a string of flags above the um the world's fair yeah, and she yeah. she pushed it down so she i mean she her and Kang could be could have hooked up in the past. We don't know. We don't know. Kang was like, I am not digging anything about you. So I'm gonna make you into a clock so nothing can happen <laughs> ever. But then right? she said that they spent every night together playing chess, and I would pay big money just mm -hmm. to see he who remains and freaking Southern Bell Miss Minutes play chess together and talk. Like, what are y'all talking about? Mm -hmm. playing chess mm -hmm. oh no oh dear i wonder if she oh no she's a clock there's nothing you can do I listen oh. i don't know kang knows how to wind her up so anything's possible <laughs> she's also artificial so and she's horny so i don't know i mean anything's possible at this point we're we're playing we're, we're not playing by any established rules clearly no I hope she keeps this energy though, because she is she is aggressive in every form of it in this yeah. episode. So I hope she keeps going because we're gonna find it. out that this show isn't about Loki or King. It's about Miss Minutes, and I would not be mad. She's the real star of the show. Oh, she really is, though. I mean, she's she she's is. gotta be one of my favorite Marvel characters at this point. Like truly, <laughs> I loved her so much in season one, and they barely even got to like unwrap the layers of her character. And now that we've gotten to see like what her real motivations and intentions are. Like she, she is sneaky. She is everything. I love her. I agree. She's, she's incredible. But one thing that I'll say before we move on, mm -hmm. this whole scene gave me one big question. Truly. It left me with one big question. Will we ever get to see Miss Minutes in a real Body. Like, will we ever get to see Tara Strong in live action playing Miss Minutes? That would be, I would love it. I would, I, I would love it truly if we did. Oh my God. What if Secret Wars, the biggest thing of Secret Wars was Miss Minutes, but as a person? Oh, my uh, God. yes. I, I'm going to need them to do better than what Miss Minutes was doing, putting her little hologram face on a mannequin. That, that creeped me out. But yeah, she, if, she, she, she tried like and Minutes, failed. I feel like Miss Minutes. It, at least for like a cameo would get a body maybe in the show. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're going to see something about it. Cause she's too hooked on to the idea. It came too quickly, came out of nowhere. There's going to be more on that. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. And it's interesting to point out the parallels between her and Ultron. And I'll just leave everybody with that thought. Just, you know, 
<laughs> Pay attention, y'all. Pay attention. Oh, Pay attention. So, a fight ensues as the Loki variant gets the upper hand and plans to do away with Timely. It's only his plea that he's not he who remains that ultimately saves him, and Sylvie decides to spare him after meditating on predetermined destinies. Along with Loki and Mobius, he slips through a time door back to the TVA, leaving Sylvie and Renslayer behind. I gotta say, aside from Miss Minutes, Sylvie was probably my second favorite part of this episode. Um, She just showed up and she came swinging. She was like, you know what? I'm gonna kill this man. She was not giving him any chance. She was about to slay his ass, for sure. She came in hot and she, she left hot. She was on fire this episode. I really must give it to Sofia DiMartino. She's fantastic also. I'm saying she, we haven't seen much of her, but what we have seen has made up for not seeing much of her. Yeah. Because it's, she's just so big in mm-hmm. every single scene. And I, I love it. I hope she also keeps this energy up because she, she's mad as hell. I want to see she where is. this goes. Someone just let her she go is. off. She, I know. I, number one, I'm surprised that she, didn't immediately kill Renslayer because we know that she blames Renslayer for like all the troubles in her life from when she was a child. But mm-hmm. on that second thought, you know, when, when you think about her intentions and, and you know, what's happened with her character, I mean, last time we saw her making big decisions was in the finale of season one, where she's like, I'm killing this guy no matter what. He's the reason for yeah. all this TVA nonsense, blah, blah, blah. She shows up to Victor Timely. She sees he who remains space and she's immediately like, I'm gonna kill him. But then she kind of takes a step back when he's begging for his life. I feel like she really, I think she, something inside of her resonated with him. Because when you think about her struggle in her whole entire life, she's been hunted for being a Loki variant. That has been her whole thing. Her and him are almost like opposite sides of a coin because he's now being hunted for being a He Who Remains variant. And I think deep down, she's like, you know, I hate being called Loki. I'm not a Loki. People say I'm a Loki, but I, I don't I don't identify with that. Kind of like when he says, I'm not him, you know, I'm not he who remains. It, it's kind of like the same thing, right? Like, he's not. I can see that, he yeah. remains. You know what I'm saying? Like, she kind of, mm-hmm. in her, it kind of clicked for her finally. She's like, oh, wait, he's not the same person. Like, he's someone that could be completely innocent. I think that's mainly why she kind of gave him that second chance. Well, that's better than my theory. She's finally seeing that Loki is not trying to, you know, rule time by himself. That's not his intention. He's, he genuinely is concerned about what's going on. I think she's starting to finally, like, take it seriously. Um, I think she's she's finally starting to wake up and be like, okay, maybe I should help with this. Because there's clearly, like, a lot of stuff going on. And, you know, she, like we said last episode, she misses the fight. You can't, you can take the Loki yeah. out of the timeline, but you can't take the fight out of the Loki. You know what I'm saying? Like hundred percent. She, she's fully into it. No matter what mm-hmm. she says, she's like, yes, here we exactly. go. Yeah. She's evolving though. And I'm happy for her. <laughs> I, I want her to stay chaotic. Yeah. I like it a little bit. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Timely is not the only person that Sylvie saves either. As in the final few moments, she also lets Renslayer live too. Despite her overwhelming urge to kill her, she ends up shoving her through a time door with Miss Minutes to the end of time. Here, he who remains, body, can be seen still rotting away as Renslayer tries to make sense of what is going on. Miss Minutes then reveals she's been keeping a big secret before cryptically revealing, I can tell you, but it's going to make you really angry. 
Man, Sylvie, Sylvie loves that one move of kicking someone through a time door. That mm-hmm. is her move, and she will do it to anyone. She did it to Loki. Yes. She did it to Renslayer. I hope she keeps doing it. It's a good one. Me too. And I, I got to say, like, such a perfect place to send Renslayer. Like, Renslayer is like, oh, my God, I want to know. where I want to go to the end of time. I want to see who's behind everything. Blah, 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 blah. And Sylvie's like, oh, yeah, you want to? All right, careful what you wish for. And kicked her ass right to the Citadel at the end of time <laughs> with Kang's disgusting, decrepit corpse, like, rotting away in a chair. And this building collapsing. The timeline's exploding. Let's see how long Renslayer lasts there. Because if, if they had to shudder the TVA from the timeline, there is a big view of, like, the timeline, the multiverse, right from Kang's office window. So I can only imagine, like, how that's going to impact the Citadel at the end of time and how that's going to disintegrate eventually. So we'll see. How dark, though. I love that they did that. Oh, mm-hmm. it, fe- it fed my dark soul. When I saw his body, I was like, Thank you guys for this. This that was so nice of Marvel Studios. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> it was great. All right, so moving on to a little bit of background on Victor Timely in the comics. Victor Timely first appeared in 1992's Avengers Annual Number no. 2. King travels to 1901 Wisconsin where he takes on the alter ego Victor Timely. As Timely, King establishes the town of Timely and becomes its mayor. He also creates a company called Timely Industries, which specializes in robotics and other futuristic tech. From his base in Wisconsin, Kang slowly amasses power in a bid to take on the Avengers again in the present day. In Marvel Comics, Victor Timely is less of his own multiverse variant as much as a disguise used by the core Kang. But in the MCU, he's portrayed as his own variant, which could mean that there's a chance the town of Timely, Wisconsin itself may play a role in the leading to the impending Avengers Kang Dynasty film. Wow. It's insane. What I found interesting about Victor Timely was that he had hired someone to, an inventor named Phineas Horton, which I Mm -hmm. thought we would see a little sprinkle of, but I mean, also I don't because those two together created the Human Torch. So I was like, maybe we'll see something about that. We did not. I mean, Fantastic Four haven't been, Fantastic Four haven't been uh, shown to the MCU, just Mr. Fantastic. So yeah, that's what I always, I always thought King, Victor Timely would go hand in hand when they bring out the Fantastic Four, but it didn't. But there's another fun fact for you guys. You know, I like your theory. It makes sense in the um, context of the MCU because we're waiting for them to start introducing the Fantastic Four, like in a serious mm-hmm. way, right? After Multiverse of Madness, like we're waiting for mm-hmm. the 616 version. So I think, you know what? Maybe you're cooking, Megan. Maybe you're cooking. Maybe, maybe it's OB maybe. and Victor Timely who make the Human Torch. Oh, God dang it. That that's I like that. Hmm. But I still don't Never trust know. OB. I don't trust that little beautiful man. I know. Me either. He's a sneak. <laughs> so we have easter eggs that you may have missed as usual the Mm -hmm. first one is as a nod to the setting of this episode the marvel fanfare the music that plays over the marvel logos in the beginning of this episode that's what the fair fanfare is is delivered in a style of old tiny fairground organ rather than the normal orchestra I loved it. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, this this episode's going to cook. 
I was jamming at the big be- at the opening intro when it was that like yeah. old timey piano. I was like, I was loving it. I was I was loving it. It was so good. I did too. The next one is upon exiting the TVA and entering Chicago in 1868, Loki and Mobius discovered discussed why Ravona Renslayer would choose that specific time and place to visit. During the discourse, Loki asks, any major figure arises from here? Interestingly mm. enough, they were standing right under the open window of Victor Timely's house. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I found it weird that they went there and they actually showed them going there and then going to the other time period. Because it almost like I, foreshadowed like they're going to be back there sometime. I focused on that because I was like, what a waste of a, of a scene. Like, why yeah. would we? Because I was like, okay, something's here and I need to know. And it took me forever. I needed the help hmm. of the internet to figure this one out. And now, then I was like, oh, okay, I see, I see it. So finally got there. Took a while longer than I'd like to admit. So the next one, while this episode doesn't get into it for obvious reasons, the 1893 World's Fair in Chicago was actually in our world called World's Columbian Expo to celebrate the 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus' arrival in the New World. Pretty mm. obvious why they did not call it that. <laughs> the event saw real-life inventor Nikola Tesla present a number of electric devices just like Timely does in the episode. This is actually the first time a World's Fair has appeared in the MCU, though. It's understandable for thinking there was one in the first Captain America movie, the film featured a fake World's Fair that Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes attended in New York City in 1942, which was called the Stark Expo. Yes. So I get why they didn't call it that. That makes sense to me. Controversial. Yeah, I get it too. <laughs> the next one is while they explore the fair, Loki and Mobius encounter a display on Norse deities. That include carved wooden statues of Odin, Thor, and Thor's half-brother, Balder. Loki Mm. is very much not amused by his own exclusion from the group. He says, why did they include Balder? No one's ever even heard of him. Which is funny that he says that because Balder has never been involved in the MCU before now. While Balder hasn't showed up in the MCU, Balder the Brave is a Marvel character and he's as powerful as you would expect an Odinson character to be. For example, he's faster than Thor. This is the first time this character has even been referenced in the MCU. So Loki saying that makes sense. Yes. Okay. So I was <laughs> so excited to get to this Easter egg. Um, I, I mean, as some people may not know this, but Baldur the Brave was originally set to appear, um, yeah. played by Daniel Craig. Yeah. Some of you may know from James Bond and the Knives Out films and a ton of other great movies. I have a feeling that they're really, they're cooking with Balder. I think they have a feeling that they cut him on purpose. And I think that that they brought this up because obviously he's going to be prevalent sometime in the future for the MCU. I think they're going to introduce his character eventually because why else would they bring this up? Especially when, you know, we already had Hela come out of the woodwork. Another sibling would just be like weird. So if, if, they must be cooking up something for Baldur the Brave. I have a feeling. And more than likely, Daniel Craig will reprise in the future. I, I just, I, I, I have a feeling. I think since they introduced Hercules, we could see uh, Thor and Baldur the Brave team up at some point. I think so. I think, I think, yeah. I feel like, 
I have a feeling that they wouldn't have let this slip into the episode if Absolutely it wasn't not. going to mean something. You know what I mean? Like, I think that because, mm-hmm. oh, who's bald? Like, now it makes the audience ask, oh, who's balder? Like, why are they bringing this up? Who is this yeah. person that Loki says no one knows about? So I think that it just it adds a lot of questions that they're going to have to address eventually. I agree. And it's not like we're going to, they're going to announce, oh, you're getting a Balder movie because we're all like, who mm-hmm. cares? <laughs> you know, like, I know, we don't yeah. know who that is. So I think if they don't address it in here, it's going to be a team up somewhere else. Yes. With some, with Thor or someone related to Thor because that's the only say, way that makes sense. I think so too. I think that Balder is coming to the MCU at some point in the future, definitely. Um, well, I guess he is in the MCU now. They named Yeah, him. that's true. They yeah. did. All right. Welcome, Balder. Welcome. <laughs> hopefully you're hot. <laughs> oh, hopefully you're hot, man. Uh, <laughs> moving on. When Loki and Mobius are exploring the fair, they are shown exiting a set of the Chinese theater synonymous with Los Angeles after unsuccessfully trying to find Ravonna Renslayer. While the Chinese theater is a popular real-world landmark, the location was also featured in Iron Man 3 during a Phase 2 film. Happy Hogan was injured by an extremist soldier at the site of the Chinese theater, which Loki Season 2 is drawing subtle connections to. Hmm. Interesting. That's kind of so true. That's, yeah, that's the second time something Iron Man related has been brought up. That's very interesting. That's true. And he named yeah. dropped Tony Stark at one point, too. Yeah, yeah. So this, they're, man. In the key lime pie scene, everyone. Mm -hmm. Max's (laughs) pie theory. Shout out to Max's pie theory. (laughs) So as Loki and Mobius are seen viewing the schedule for the stage performers at the Chicago World's Fair, they notice Victor Timely's Temporal Marvels, which is an Easter egg in itself above that another can be spotted. Another performer at the fair goes by the name Ferdinand Lang, which is undoubtedly a reference to the MCU's Scott Lang. Seeing as though Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania first debuted both King the Conqueror and the first look at Loki Season 2 in the film's post credit scene, it is really hard to imagine the name Lang being a coincidence. I totally agree. And it was like, what, what did it say? It was like some kind of like German singer, um, Ferdinand Lang. And I was like, there's yeah. n- like, especially with the connection to quantum mania that Kang has, like, there's no yeah. way this was coincidental. Like, I, I, I don't know. So unless it was like a fun nod for the fans, but like, I was just very interesting. I, hmm. I'm usually not great at picking up all these Easter eggs on the first watch. It's the second watch that I really cooked. Same. But this one, as soon as I saw Lang, I was like, oh my God, I got one. <laughs> so that was like the first I like put it in my phone I was like here we go you did it Megan <laughs> great job Megan great job <laughs> so thank you to Screen Rant for this one as Loki and Mobius are shown waiting for Timely's demonstration to begin a band can be seen playing on the stage the music being played by the band is an old fashioned version of Loki's green theme one of the most recognizable tracks from Loki season one score by Natalie Holt. I would never have guessed that ever in a million years. I know it's, (laughs) it's difficult unless you recognize it when you hear it and it sounds familiar to you, you know? Yeah. They're easy to miss. They are. So thank you. Screen rant. 
do we have another Ramatut reference? <gasps> Ramatut is one of the most popular Kang variants. A version of Nathaniel Richards, who is Kang the Conqueror, mm -hmm. who traveled back in time to become an Egyptian pharaoh. Ramatut has also been featured in the end credit scene of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Ooh. As Victor Timely is being chased through the fair, he hides amid a an ancient Egyptian exhibit. This is a subtle reference to the Egyptian variant of Kang that Majors has portrayed in the past and effectively subliminally foreshadows other more powerful versions of Kang. So when I saw this, I I did not see it the first time. No. This was actually pointed out to me by a member named Jay. And I was like, oh my God, how did I miss it? It, oh, it makes oh me so God. happy. You're so right because he hides behind one of the Egyptian pillars, like right yeah. there. Oh my God, that's crazy. Yes. Mm. I was like, oh. Oh, it's just, this makes me so happy. What if like Victor Timely is actually like Ramatud? Like when he goes to the TVA, he like somehow ends up in like ancient Egypt after. <gasps> That'd be insane. Be insane. I mean, we could definitely see another variant of King in the show. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What true. if it's him? Ooh. Just got mm -hmm. chills. All right. This one might be a reach, so bear with me. If it's not a reach, you're you're welcome. If it is a reach, sorry I wasted your time. One scene of this episode takes place within Victor's lab in Chicago Fair with Miss Minutes and Ravona. Two separate objects in the lab have Asian symbols that can be can be seen decorating on the set. Mm. While it is unclear which specific language these symbols depict, they could serve as a connection to the Asian-infused world of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It has long been an MCU theory that Shang-Chi's rings connect mm. to Kang in some capacity. Which the Asian symbols found on the Loki season two, episode three, could be a subtle nod towards. Hmm. That's an interesting theory. Yeah. We definitely like, need I'm... someone to decipher that. So if you yes. understand what that said, please let us know. Yeah, because I looked at it, I was like, man, if I knew what language it was, if I spoke the language, I would just, I would be dropping so much gold on you guys right now. But that's as mm -hmm. much as I got. So if anyone does know, Please let us know. Please. Our last one. Towards the end of Loki Season 2, Episode 3, Ravona and Victor Timely board a ship to take them to Timely's proper laboratory. The ship is named the SS Heron, a reference to the important figure from Loki Season 1 director, Kate Heron. While not involved with the production of Season 2, the SS Heron is a really nice way for Loki team to pay homage to someone so important and integral in the visual language style and tone of the show. Super so there cool. you go. Yeah. There you go, guys. I'm sure I this I feel like this episode was so full of Easter eggs. I feel like I've missed like 20. So if anyone knows any, let us know. It's true. Megan does such an awesome job with her Easter egg hunts. Thank you, Megan. This was awesome. Of course. <laughs> Moving on, comments from our members of Mediaverse Comics Unwrapped on Facebook, starting with Rufai, who says, Jonathan Majors is just phenomenal. This episode has a lot of surprises. Damn Miss Minutes, easily the best episode of the entire series. Agreed. Loved it. 
So true. I would say this is the best episode of any Marvel Disney Plus series. This is really good. It, the production right. value and the quality was so amazing. The costume design, the vibes, the set design, fantastic. That's one thing I love about Loki. It is such an immersive show. Like, you know, it, it just, it really gets you involved in the storyline and the whole set and everything. It just, it gets you in a, it just, it, it gets you into the vibe. You know what I mean? It does. It does. I agree. So our next member, John, said, I heard this episode was supposed to be one of the best things Marvel has done in a while. That statement was not overselling it. It was not. It's true. 100%. It, incredible. Definitely. I totally agree. Jamie Lynn says, whoa, hell of an episode. That's one jealous clock. I wonder if she's the reason Ravona ended up in the TVA with her mind wiped. Yes. <laughs> Maybe she convinced you who remains that Ravona betrayed them. And who knows? Definitely also think Miss Minutes is the reason no AI are allowed into the TVA. Ooh. 100%. That's a good observation, Jamie That's Lynn. That's a really, really good observation. <laughs> <sighs> So much to unpack with that scene. I think we'll be analyzing it for years to come. Miss Minutes Absolutely. just really blew us all away. <laughs> <laughs> Kaylee says, I think Ravona is a Kang variant. Ooh. Imagine. She, oh my God. She told me this theory today and it has ruined, not ruined, but it's messed up my whole day. Cause I was like, what if that's the secret that wow. Miss Minutes has? What if she's a Kang variant? She would be pissed about it. Cause why wouldn't they tell her? So I think Kaylee's onto it. Oh my God. And imagine the parallel of having like a female Kang variant, like taking in a female Loki and like ruining Loki, uh, ruining Sylvie's life. Like that would be such, wow. Well, it makes chills. sense because the MCU really does like to do pairs. Like mm -hmm. there's two Ant-Man, two Wasp. There was two Black Widows. There's two Lokis. You know, they do like doing that weird thing. So it would make sense. So, wow. I'm just thinking okay. about it. You're right. Like two Captain Americas, two Black yeah. Widows. Wow. Yeah. So I think she's, I think she's on to something. She's cooking. Mm -hmm. She is cooking. And then lastly, J. Michael says, cerebral approach is a deliberate X-Men Easter egg. Hmm. 120%. Okay. The last Easter egg we got that was X-Men related, it was the door, right? Mm -hmm. So, the director said, oh, no, that wasn't planned. Don't you dare lie, because there's so many other ways you could do that door, and you did it exactly that way. And now this one? Come on. C come on. Just tell us. Stop, be stop beating around the bush. Just be honest. Come on now. Just don't be a tease. Like, you can stop <sighs> fishing. You have us hooked. Oh, God. So true. So true. Yeah. <laughs> A special thank you to everyone who contributed their comments. Um, we do appreciate it always. And as as per usual, if you guys want to get involved and, you know, have your voices heard on our podcast, join our group, Mediaverse Comics Unwrapped, and let us know what you think about these episodes. We'd love to read your comments on air. So, moving on to talk about the book that is a gift that keeps on giving. Yes. The thing that everyone is talking about right now. The book, mm -hmm. the MCU, The Reign of Marvel Studios. So, MCU, The Reign of Marvel Studios is an unofficial and unauthorized book. Unofficial. Mm -hmm. So, anything that comes out of this book is not confirmed. Yeah. But it, it, it's probably true. 
It's an unofficial book that spills all the tea about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Written by pop culture writers Joanna Robinson, Dave Gonzalez, and Gavin Edwards. The 528-page book takes a full view of the studios and features more than 100 interviews with actors, producers, directors, and writers who have all worked with Marvel Studios. It explores how the brand went from comic book company to toy maker and then to the peak of American pop culture with hit movies like Avengers Endgame, Black Panther, Iron Man 3, Captain America Civil War, and so many more for more than 15 years. Here's the description of the book. Hmm. Marvel Entertainment was a moribund toy maker. Not even 20 years ago. Today, Marvel Studios is the dominant player both in Hollywood and in the global pop culture. How did an upstart studio conquer the world? In the MCU, beloved culture writers Joanna Robinson, Dave Gonzalez, and Gavin Edwards draw on more than 100 interviews with actors, producers, directors, and writers to present the definite chronicle of Marvel Studios and its sole ongoing production, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. For all its outward success, the studio was forged by near-constant conflict, from the contentious hiring of Robert Downey Jr. for its 2008 debut Iron Man, all the way to the disappointment of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and shocking departures of multiple Marvel executives in 2023. Throughout the authors demonstrate that the original genius of the Marvel was its resurrection and modification of Hollywood's old studio system. But will it survive its own spectacular achievements? Dishy and authoritative, MCU is the first book to tell the Marvel story in full and an essential, efficient account of American mass culture. So... It's a juicy book, for sure. I want to read it so bad. I just downloaded <laughs> it, and I've been trying to find time to read it, but I haven't yet. I, I think I read, like, the first couple pages, um, but it's, uh-huh. even from the first couple pages, like, it's it's it seems good, and I can't wait to go through it and read the whole thing and learn all the little juicy secrets. I know. It's like, hmm. we've been asking for the, well, can you guys just make it into, like, a series, but don't get a single part out of the book? Because, like... <laughs> You know, I got kids, man. I know. <laughs> I, I know. Read it, but it's whatever. Tough. Maybe someday when they're in college. <laughs> just wait until then. Yeah. <laughs> or I'll just have Mac tell me what it all says. I, I know. I happily. I will happily tell you everything. That's so nice. <laughs> but we actually have a few excerpts from MCU: The Reign of Marvel Studios. Um, some juicy ones. Uh, first one. We have a quote from Kevin Feige, sort of implying that Secret Wars will serve as a soft reboot in which they can prune everything. That's not to use a Lokiism, prune everything that's not working and just keep what it is working. Or bring back people you thought were gone forever. Mm-hmm. Joanna Robinson, writer MCU, The Reign of Marvel Studios. This is the quote that set the internet on fire. Everybody has been reporting on this lately. And yeah. again, remember... Not confirmed, not unless you hear it from Kevin Feige's mouth. Anything can change from this point. You know, anything can, can, you know, everything is up in the air still. But to be honest with you, if someone had told me this maybe like a couple years ago, I would have been upset about it. But Mm -hmm. thinking about it now, 
honestly, I wouldn't be so mad. I don't know. What do you think, Megan? Well, I think when people get mad at the idea of a reboot, they're not they're not thinking of everything we have in between. Mm-hmm. So they're, if they were to reboot, they wouldn't do it right now with untold stories. They would finish off all the stories and then reboot. Yeah. I think they should because it, it, I don't think it's been unsuccessful. I don't think they've done a bad job. I just think it would freshen it up. It mm-hmm. would give us more stories or stories told a different way. All those characters you guys were mad about that they didn't, you didn't like the story, they weren't comic accurate, could mm-hmm. get another chance. Yeah. So I think Secret Wars, looking at you, I think that's what this is going to be. It, it sounds it sounds very plausible. Um, I, I, if anything, I think that even if they don't like prune away or like get rid of like storylines and things that have happened, I think that Secret Wars will definitely change the MCU as we know it more so than Thanos. Um, I think 100%. this will bring us just an entirely new cinematic like entirely new universe maybe you know picking and choosing what stays but i definitely think that the, some of the characters will still remember what happened before I, I don't think it'll be a complete like oh no one's gonna remember anything it's gonna be a completely fresh thing which i think a lot of people are scared of i think it'll be like you know a lot of the same characters will remember the old way things were and maybe make reference to those things but i think that they'll it'll give them a chance to kind of expand upon some characters that maybe didn't get such a you know, rich storytelling like like others did. Like, for example, Black Widow, a lot of people think that she was underutilized in the MCU. Yep. She could come back. She could have a ton of awesome new stories and storylines and things that from the comics that never got to play out on screen. Same with a lot of other different characters that were, you know, maybe one-hit wonders in a movie and killed off that people get upset about. Yeah, think about Ultron, Gore, all of them. Quicksilver. Oh, that one hurt. <laughs> but <laughs> like we could get a it could it could really really be good you know and i think i think you can't keep going with all these stories you've already had and with all the heroes and all of the villains because they all are integral to each other's stories but some have died some have moved on you're not doing some some are not coming back what do you do you make a new story, everyone's pissed. So yeah, I think I think a reboot's the way to go. I don't I care, so even if I hate it, I'm gonna still watch it. So it's true. We've invested <laughs> too much time in this already to give up now. We need to see how it ends. <laughs> I know we have a podcast <laughs> <laughs> for the podcast, please. <laughs> oh man, I hope they do. <sighs> oh. So our next excerpt comes in the form of some Inhumans tea. Marvel Studios has been developing an Inhumans movie for years, but Feige was never satisfied with the script and wasn't eager to do battle with Fox on Perlmutter's behalf. One proxy fight against Marvel Television as the cat's paw of the creative community was enough for him. As soon as Feige pulled the Inhumans movie from the release schedule in April of 2016, Marvel Entertainment ordered Loeb to fast-track Inhumans content on TV. Just two months later, the Inhumans appeared on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and a few months after the actual Inhumans show premiered, it was canceled. Yeah. So an interesting, rocky journey that's been. So Kevin always knew, like, this ain't it. This is not the way. Oh, poor Kevin. 
I have a feeling that when it comes to Inhumans, they always tried to make it like their own version of X-Men. And since Fox had the rights back then, they were really trying to make it work. And when they saw it wasn't working, they kind of just were like, let's scrap this and see. Um, the way they introduced it in Multiverse of Madness with, you know, Black Bolt appearing kind of gives me hope that someday it'll get revisited. But I think right now, now they have the rights back to the X-Men and Mutants, that that's kind of where they're going to go from here. Yeah, I can see that. I agree. So moving on, how determined was Marvel Studios to minimize any connection with Marvel television? Well, the book goes on to say that when it developed a movie starring another obscure super team, the Eternals, the creators were instructed that none of it could take place in Hawaii. The studio didn't want any risk that audiences might be reminded of the Inhumans. Wow, that's you know, interesting. That's so petty. I love it so much. <laughs> So petty. And for those of you who don't know, The Inhumans was mostly, wasn't it filmed in Hawaii, right? I think so. Yeah. I don't know. So. I don't have much to do with The Inhumans. I know. It's too late. It's too late now for me to give it a shot because there's a whole book about it now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We'll just read it from there. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't missing much. I'll be honest. I found it boring. So I don't think I, I even think finished. I gave it a shot. I probably stopped a little halfway through the second episode i think i fell asleep and i was just like well moving on same yeah <laughs> exact same <laughs> for some reason though my partner really liked inhumans and every week would be like oh we're we gonna watch inhumans and i'd be like why are you so into this if i'm not that's so weird like i don't know hey you know it's something yeah we we have partners who are not into the superhero lifestyle that we are Mm -hmm. so you kind of just hold on to what you can even if it's, it's true in humans <laughs> it's true <laughs> and our last excerpt from the book marvel entertainment meaning ceo ike perlmutter and president creative committee chair alan fine deeply resented that fox retained the rights to those properties fantastic four the book that launched marvel comics had been the company's flagship title since 1962 but in 2014, it ceased publication rather than give free publicity to a Fox movie. <gasps> petty. Wow. That's more, pe more petty. Dirty. So God, dirty. I want to read this book. Ugh. I know, I know. Uh, I do too. But you know what? It makes sense because I've heard rumors about this being the case with a lot of the Fox um, properties over the years when Fox still owned, you know, outright the certain Marvel properties that Marvel's... Uh -huh. Marvel Entertainment and Marvel Comics would stop producing those comics because they weren't going to advertise for them. You know what I mean? So kind of makes sense, though, really. Well, like, okay, I don't like Perlmutter, but I would do the same thing. Same, same. Just, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> that, he's just like, he's just like me for real. Kind of smart. Ike. I'll give yeah. you that one. I'll give you that one. <laughs> The book became available to purchase on October 10th, also available as an unabridged Audible audiobook for free. So check it out and let us know your thoughts on all the juicy stuff. So guys, we have come to the end. So with Tea Time with Megan and Max is going to start slightly differently because we have something planned. Everyone knows that Werewolf by Night in color came out last Friday. So Max and I, as I mentioned before, our partners are not into the superhero lifestyle and they yep. just grin and they just grin and bear it for us. Let's be mm -hmm. honest. So we're going to tell our lovely partners that 
we we want to watch this spooky vibe movie for spooky season. It's going to be Werewolf by Night in color because both mm-hmm. of our partners have seen it before. Yes. And we're going to we're going to see if they notice. I'll make I'll make notes about some comments my partner makes because they're it's going to be funny. I know it. I know him. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I know. Mine too. I'm going to make some notes. And just to give you guys some context, our partners watched Werewolf by Night last year in black and white. They did not like it, did not pay attention to it because it was in black and white, went like right over their heads. And they kept saying how much they hated it. So this time around, we're not going to tell them that they've watched it before. We're going to just see if they notice in color and see if they have a different reaction to it because it will be in color. So stay tuned. We're going to give you their full reactions and we're going to break it down. And we're also going to talk about the uh, special and, you know, compare and contrast for you. So stay tuned for that next week. Also, we're not trying to be dicks to our partners. If they knew, they would find this really funny, just so you guys know. <laughs> yes, they would. Yeah. They would. It'll be fun for us at least. So, oh well. <laughs> we we do enough. We deserve it. Yes. So, now that I have explained that, our first set of tea is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse comes to Netflix for the United States on October 31st. No word on any other place. Sorry, guys. So excited to rewatch it, though. Really, I am. I know. I'm so excited. Our next piece of news, Deadpool 3 director Sean Levy cast doubt on Deadpool 3 making its May release date. In an interview with The Wrap, he says, I wish I knew. I don't even know if we officially have a release date. I know we were going to be May 3rd. Levi said of the superhero sequel, which stars Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool and Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Certainly the actor strike and the long pause in production have put that release date in true risk. We've shot half the movie. I've edited half the movie. We're dying to get back to work and get this movie out next year. Me too. Me too, Sean. Me too. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So next one is the book MCU, The Reign of Marvel Studios, the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. has finally confirmed the details of the controversial COVID-19 associated subplot where we're removed from the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The full quote is, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier had already canceled location work in Puerto Rico after a devastating earthquake in January 2020. The pandemic not only forced the show to abort a shoot in Prague, but made a planned plot line about the heroes rushing to stop a fast-spreading disease. Wow. <laughs> I feel it felt a little bit too much, too close to reality. Feldman oh. acknowledged that the series had removed the side story, although he said it wasn't because of coronavirus. Bro, yes it is. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like, really? Stop lying. Like, why even say that? Like, obviously it was. I mean, to some degree. I mean, maybe they needed to cut it back, but... That was very obvious why that was God. that particularly was shown. That would have got so much hate. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting though because when you watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, you can see certain like weird, like like not loose ends, but like loose. I don't know, like weird plot points that like didn't really make sense. They just tried to kind of like fold in to the rest of the yeah. show, and you. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the casual viewer, probably didn't notice it too much, but to like eagle-eyed viewers like Megan and myself. It was easy to spot like certain weird things that were like, why'd they include this? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you were kind of waiting for it all to be spun together at the end and it wasn't. And you're like, what did I just watch? I know. I yeah. know. I mean, at, at least it wasn't as bad as Secret Invasion, but it was, there were yeah. some, some weird things. I still I really, enjoyed that show though. I had to watch it a second time to like it. The first time I was like, what? Yeah. 
was that? I know. But it took me a couple know. times. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Bucky, I can't like not like it. Exactly. I think that Bucky's <laughs> the reason why I didn't hate it right off the bat, and Sam too. Sam's cool too. I like Sam, but I simp. No, I don't simp. I thirst after Bucky. Like oh no yes. Other. Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> For sure. Um, our next piece of news, Spider-Man Far From Home will finally be added to Disney Plus in the U.S. on November 3rd. So he's really, really coming home, guys. Coming. Welcome home, Parker. We're so happy to have you. Yes, definitely. I'm so mad. I just bought this movie, like, a week ago. Oh, God. I don't, I don't buy movies, but I bought it. Because I was like, oh, that's the one I don't have that I can't find oh. anywhere. So, there we go. <laughs> poor megan poor megan <laughs> my life is so hard <laughs> so in an update to one of max's tea that he spilled about deadpool according to deadline according to deadline people mm. deadpool 3 is being delayed and captain america brave new world could take its spot in may deadpool 3 would release in november to december I'm just waiting for them to confirm this one. Yeah. That's all you can do. Me too. I mean, I, I, I'll say from the beginning, I thought the Deadpool 3 release date was just extremely unrealistic because it's like, they take so long on certain things. Like Loki, for example, I feel like was finished like forever ago. And then Deadpool 3, they're expecting to like shoot it and like release it in a year. I just, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I want even, them to take their time. I I honestly think this is a godsend because... They moved it. They moved his date up during the strikes. Mm -hmm. So it was like, so you moved it up knowing that it was yeah. filmed. So what was the plan there? What the heck? I, you're so right. We we covered this and we both said it's so weird they would have moved this up when it's not finished filming and it's filming like like less than a year before. It's just weird. But yeah, and know. now we're in October and it's like, oh man, oh no no no. So I'm. <clears throat> I'm really glad. We we all knew it was coming. There was no way it was going to happen. There's absolutely no way. So I'm really thankful for it. Me too. That's a big movie to introduce Deadpool into the MCU. If you mm -hmm. screw that up, we can't help you, Marvel. Nope. So better not be a secret invasion situation. I mean, you're really it's it's mm -hmm. got a lot of stakes. In first introduction of Wolverine to the MCU too. Like, come on, that's. Ooh. Hugh Jackman didn't come thing. back for foolishness. Marvel, you better get this right. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds did not pull any strings just to be made a fool. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a wrap on Mediaverse Unwrapped. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, you can follow me everywhere at His Name is Max. You can follow me on Twitter at MeganTheGangster. Join our non-toxic Facebook group, Mediaverse Comics Unwrapped. Follow our public Facebook page, Mediaverse Plus. Follow us on all of our socials at MediaverseCU. Our new episodes premiere Tuesdays everywhere you can listen to a podcast. Thanks for tuning in and goodbye for now. You can take your seatbelts off now. <laughs> because I said buckle up, like, it's going to be a big one. It, oh, you had, had to be there. <laughs> <laughs>